Hey guys, as always, the Side Character Podcasts are not experts. These are just our own personal opinions and experiences. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Side Characters Podcast, a podcast about cultural diversity in nerd culture. I'm Jordan. I'm Leah. How's it going today, Leah? I'm finally back from the <laughs> death march that was my upgrade for my PhD. I apologize, everyone. I'm the reason we didn't have an episode out the last week. Or two I do ago. want everybody to just take note of that. She admits that it's her fault and not it mine, so I fault. am completely absolved of all crimes. It was my fault. I I had a giant thing to write and thus had no time and got, like, no sleep. Thus, yes, I am here. And we're, we're we are back. <laughs> Some, <laughs> back and better than ever. But, oh, um, boy. so... The, so the last few weeks, we kind of did heavier topics, um, like with the tropes topic, the hysterical people topic, and stuff like that. So we wanted to kind of break it up this week and talk about something happy yeah. um, for once, which is weird for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just going to get into some some stuff we liked, some, some of that, like, pure, unadulterated, high-grade nostalgia. Cocaine. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. nostalgia. Yes, we are going to talk about nostalgia, not cocaine this week. Co- <laughs> cocaine for millennials. Cause, well, I think that's still cocaine, yeah. actually. <laughs> well, you know, we all wished we were in a time that wasn't late capitalism and the world is literally burning. Yeah, the, so. the world is literally on fire. Everything sucks. So why don't we take a little dip into the past to remember the good things in life? You know, as as like the 21 Pilots song stressed out Please is don't. about. What? Please don't. Why? I hate 21 Pilots. We've talked oh, about Oh, right. This. Yeah, sorry. But that song is very real. It's very real. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we wanted to kind of just start with talking about things that we enjoyed in the past, kind of like books, movies, comics, TV shows, whatever, whatever it was. And I, I wanted to lead it in with actually of the nostalgia things, like the worst thing that I remember, like I remember watching it every week, but like, it's what I was saying. It's like looking back, it's not problematic necessarily, but looking back, it's bad was, um, the Spider-Man animated series. Was like the I, most. I didn't watch that. Oh my god! It's the most melodrama you would. It, it was a soap opera for kids. Mm. I think the only, the only superhero show I watched growing up was X Men. I watched the fuck out of X Men, and that's because of my brother. My brother had X Men comics and wouldn't let me read them, and so when the X Men show the one evolution. that they yes evolution not the not that one the 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 one where they're all in high school and shit not with jubilee uh came out i was all up on that shit i do like how you took a swing at jubilee first because jubilee in jubilee rogue and gambit were the only redeeming qualities of the um 90s one which I love how we have to do the song to differentiate because everybody well, knows because it by that song. The most iconic X-Men we, theme song. Yeah, well, and it's because we just recently, 
had, like, where we were talking about that, where I realized that, oh my god, X-Men Evolution didn't have the that theme song. That wasn't that one. That was the one with Jubilee, the older one. The See, that, the see, but those, like, that X-Men show there, and then there was the Spider-Man one, those were, like, watch them again, they were so melodramatic, where they were pretty yeah, they were. much soap operas for kids and like that's what i say it's like i wanted to start with that because like they everybody will remember that theme song everybody will remember that but it's like oh my gosh this is so dramatic well and it's funny because it's like that's the the gene gray cyclops relationship in x-men evolution was they got that craziness of that like stupidly melodramatic right in the first x-men like live action movie like it is that weird like it's that it's and then like you throw wolverine into the mix and it's just like oh oh my gosh it's like and then she like loses her memory like they do in actual um soap operas it's like i'm just sitting here like as an adult looking through like some of those old episodes it's like Man, I did I like this or did I like it because it was superheroes? Oh wait, no. The other superhero one I watched was um Teen Titans. Yeah, see, but that was oh. when we were teens, actually. Teen Titans as teens. Was that? It, yeah, oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense because I just saying. Let's put some context on this. I grew up without cable. The only place I could watch cable was at my friend's house. Which, all, if anybody is younger. Then, like, five years or more younger than us listening to this, you're not going to understand this. <laughs> but growing up, I had the, uh, I had an antenna TV with a box inside that you had to rotate the knob. And then I would God, watch on you the sound like a Saturday. grandma right now. It's I like, know. Back in my day, I had the antenna TV. Did you ever have a TV with the dials? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I had okay. a box with the yeah. dial on it. Yeah, I... Like, back when they would have the commercials, don't touch those dials. And then they started doing that when those TVs kind of were obsolete. Like, don't touch that dial. It's like, why does your TV still have a dial? That's because it did. In the 90s, mine did. And we didn't have cable. And only my friend had cable. And I was jealous. So I never watched, like, all those other shows that people watched on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon until I was a teenager. Moved states. Got cable. And was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So, what have I been missing all these years? Teen Titans was great. I will say, like, the shows without cable that, like, I remember, like, these were mostly kid shows because, like, I didn't have cable, like, for a short period growing up. And then we got cable. But I remember, like, the shows that stand out to me were, like, all the PBS shows, like, Wishbone and Arthur. Like, Mm -hmm. those are so (laughs) good. Wishbone is, like, the best TV. Like, I hope it still holds up because it was so good. Well, and we just discovered, if anybody hasn't heard, they're going to make a Wishbone TV show, I believe, or movie. Very excited. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. The one that I am, I always talk about with a bunches of people from everywhere is Recess. Now that was golden television. So, so Recess was so good. Really quick for the uninitiated, as I hate that phrase, but I'm going to use right now. The uninitiated Wishbone was a TV show where a um, Jack Russell Terrier read books and acted out the things in the books, like like old classics, like Monte Cristo, yeah. Robin Hood, and stuff. And he acted out, and then the on top of that was like um, middle school, high school drama of like his owners going through stuff, and it, it was always just like really weird, but like really awesome because it's this dog and books. 
If you ever watched Zaboomafu, it was yeah. like that, but I think it was inspired. It, it inspired Zaboomafu, but Zaboomafu wasn't as good. Zaboomafu, I mean, like you can connect to the dog because everybody has a dog, but you can't really connect to a lemur because not everybody has a lemur. I think Zaboomafu was meant to be like an in-between of Wishbone and, and like Blue's Clues. Well, yeah, and um, Jack Hanna. Because I did like the nature and like going out into the oh, safari. Yeah. Anyways, I hope that people aren't like, if you need to look up things, we're going to put most of these things we talk about in oh, the wait, These are going to be the, the description. longest descriptions ever. Just like all the uh, Just the names of the things that we're talking about. But yeah, I think recess. Let's go to recess. Let's yeah, talk so about recess. Recess, actually, like I have all fond memories. I'm pretty sure I've seen like every episode of like yeah. the, like I think they may have remade it. I don't know. But like the original run of recess was so good. It was kids. In like you know elementary school kids in uh elementary school during recess like oh yeah it's like all the but it was like antics they during, got up from it's, recess. It's like but it is like it's one of those shows where it's like they went out into recess and there was like a kingdom like it's like a it's like recess becomes this other place like its own country and like the jungle gym had a king who was the king of the playground. But it, it had a decently diverse cast, which for its time, like it had. Uh... Yeah, but like, so outside of the kingdom, you also had like the, um, the like savage kids, the kindergartners be like very just wild people. You had the, like the Ashleys, which were like, you know, the clique of the four girls all named Ashley they, and they, they were, were gossips. But they were also, it was funny because then they humanized the Ashleys in a series of episodes where Spinelli became, they realized Spinelli's actual name was Ashley and so then she became an Ashley. And there was a lot of like, I remember like, you didn't actually hate the Ashleys. They were what, you know, they weren't, you know, as cool as Spinelli, who was like the tomboy, but like, you didn't hate them. All the characters, you liked the character. And... And they had the most awesome teacher on the planet. Like, probably one of, the, other than Miss Frizzle, probably one of the best depictions of a teacher ever. Speaking of Miss Frizzle, I, like, almost, com- like, in this list, completely forgot about Magic School Bus. Right on the Magic School and Bus. And, like, yeah. that's, like, a special place in nostalgia because, like, every time in, like, elementary school, like, the teacher rolled out the TV on the stand. You knew you were either watching Build Nye or watching Magic School Bus. Yeah. And, like, watching is- a cartoon show in school was the coolest thing ever. It is true for all you people who didn't watch Bill Nye growing up that Bill if Nye you do say, if you start by saying Bill Nye the Science Guy, anybody who is a 90s baby will be able to go, Bill, 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 the science guy. Science rules. Isn't that guitar solo? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways. It's, yeah. It was top of the line because, like, like I don't know, like, I honestly don't know if they do this in schools anymore where they will roll out the TV with the v- no, well, they, they not it's not going to be a VCR these days, but they roll yeah. out the TV with the VCR and you get to watch a cartoon in school because edutainment was, like, a very powerful thing back in the day. And I don't know uh, if it exists in the same way as it does back then, if it did back then. I don't, I don't know. Um, well, I, I just think with Bill Nye, it's like an interesting thing because Bill Nye has now like become like almost like a political figure and it really almost. speaks to the, he, well, he is. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, like it's not it really almost. Speaks, it really speaks to the lack of science communication training they, they the U.S. has. Like 
I, and this is probably, I don't know, Jordan, if you know that in places like the UK, you can get a degree in science communication, Did not know which that. means you can, yeah, you can get a degree in being able to communicate science to the public. So like running TV shows like this and stuff like that, particularly in the UK, it's a big thing. And like informative TV shows are a big thing in the UK. And like, I think it's part of why there's a more respect for an archaeology because people grew up watching TV shows that were just like time team and other stuff like that. So it's just, there's like way more of a respect. And so like you have people who are actual scientists who are the people who have to be become the political figures rather than Bill Nye, which I love Bill Nye, but I'm also like, he's a child, he's a childhood. He's a, he's a child's TV personality. He shouldn't have had to. Why couldn't have people actually have trusted actual scientists? Like, I, I love him to death, and I know that this is his position as well. Like, you don't have to trust just Bill Nye, people! Anyways. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Personally, I think uh, Bill Nye is kind of a dick, but, you know, that's just me. What? Yeah. He's, he's, kind, oh. of, he's kind of... um. A dick, but you know he did. He's done a lot of good things for science, so I cannot deny that. And climate change. <laughs> and climate change. I, mean, Bill Nye, the science guy. It's not on my list, but I will give another shout out to a kids show, The Weekenders, where it was kind of the same idea of the recess, but like it was this group of kids who would look forward to and have like all this these things planned for the weekend and it's a show that i always bring up and like no one ever knows what i'm talking about and it makes me i have never heard of that show the weekend it was so good and so funny um the the one line i will always remember it's like they had this like deep conversation and one person's like you have a point and the one character's like ah where and i just still think that's classic humor and i still laugh Mm. about that to this day God, there are those weird little things that you do remember. Like there's that segment in Arthur. No one remembers this but me. But there's the episode of Ar- Arthur that's the great one, other than the one where they get locked in the library. That one's excellent. Um, there's the episode of Arthur where he's having his birthday and they go and get balloons. And DW says to the person, because they're square balloons, she's like, how do you get square balloons? And the guy at the store says, you have to blow square breasts. And DW gives him uh, the DW look. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know why that got stuck in my head till today, but it's a, it's a piece of knowledge that I have never forgot that is hilarious ever that that is quite (laughs) that's like it's the classic too because it's the dw look which if you know that you can go and look up the dw meme from arthur and you'll see it so i think arthur is still coming up with new episodes yeah and they had the teacher who had uh got married to his partner which was really nice mr ratburn if i remember correctly yeah also um What's the show that I always forget the name of? Reboot. Yes, thank you. It's you know it's exactly hilarious now. that she didn't have to give any other detail. Just said it's the one I always forget. It's like, oh yeah, it's obviously. I can't reboot. remember the name of it, but <laughs> we should talk about that. That's the one that maybe Canadians who listen well, to. We'll, this we'll get that to a second because I really want to hit it because I, in my mind, I have an order of how these happen because okay, we're, all right. We're, Upping at age, so we hit our like you know elementary school years and stuff, and we're kind of we're still we're progressing older. I just wanted to quickly stop at Nickelodeon before we get to reboot and stuff, and just. Ah. I mean, we had a dispute about this earlier, but Doug is a Nickelodeon show. 
Yeah, well, apparently mm. I watched it when it was picked up and syndicated by ABC, so. But, like, like Nickelodeon, like, the old Nickelodeon shows, like, were so good, like, Hey Arnold, which we'll talk about this later, about how Hey Arnold just knocked it out of the park with diversity and just, like, you know, also talking about, like, poverty and stuff like that in a kid's yeah. show and it's something you don't see now and you didn't really ever oh, yeah. see back in the day but just like talking about like immigration and poverty and like you know God. being a kid who grows up in an apartment when like in a lot of these shows you had the kids growing up in like a house or something like that it's like you don't you know really what see that makes that me thing. you know what that makes me think of so i just recently started watching shameless the u.s version which is really good anybody who hasn't seen it and like when it came out it got lost at under a different bunch of shows and like wasn't as like big as many shows but it like has this amazing it's an amazing depiction of uh, a family in chicago who is below the poverty line and it's just like every aspect of life there and how like it's messy and like just everything's really real in that show and it deals with like, everything and i'm like oh you know what hey arnold is like the toned down version of that and did it really well and like that makes me think of that directly it's like if you want to, if you want to show shameless which you can't show to kids because it's got a, a, like sex and stuff in it but if like it's like if you want to show your kids some of the things that they need to know that you would see in shameless hey arnold's the one to do it and i really liked hey arnold and like the the ideas of like a shameless and hey arnold because it it shows what like an imperfect life looks like which is everybody's life yeah. but we like in a lot of like you know the disney sitcoms like live action sitcoms you get like you know very like pretty characters that are like you know their biggest problem is like oh maybe they lied to their parents but like that's all you don't really see what you know a struggle looks like or like the one character the in hey arnold who there was an episode where he couldn't read and like they did a th thing where they taught him how to read and like they took him on the bus system and then left him and he had to read the signs to get back and like you never really see these kinds of things where like a grown man who's like i think he was supposed to be in his 30s couldn't read yeah and it, yeah. it, it did a really good job of showing us that normal people exist too and it's not yeah. just like the perfect oh pretty because now like all of Nickelodeon's live actions are about like pretty people making jokes and like back then it was it did a good job of just showing what a normal person's life looked like. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're 100% right with that. The only thing I have issues in that show is Helga. There was just some It's the was eyebrows, it? wasn't it? No, it was how <laughs> how they like treated her obsession with Arnold. That was Yeah. I I still, like, need to clarify on where I stand on her characterization. But, like, how Arnold treated her wasn't, if I remember correctly, bad. He didn't treat her like she wasn't human. No. Which is how women often get treated when they're treated as crazy. Um, And I think it's interesting, too, because it goes against the U.S. standard of not showing, like, of... If you're in the city, you're black and poor, you're black. If you're not in the city and poor, you're white and not like 2% of the time. And then the rest of the time you're black, like, which is actually makes no sense because in reality, the makeup of the poor in the U.S. matches, matches the uh, demographic 
in the U.S., which is that 70% of people who are poor are white, but it's been a, an indoctrination process that basically has, the government has... Well, yeah, because poor is black, and especially in TV shows. It's systematically been done since I mean, Reagan. Quick derailment, but like... With, like, that kind of idea, I was, um, actually got on Hulu really quick today just to scroll through and, like, add stuff to my list that I'm never going to watch. But, like, one thing I noticed is that 99% of the shows were of all white characters with, like, maybe, like, a black character tokenized. And I realized that a lot of the stories that they will show on TV shows with black characters are, like, either, like, you, the whole show has to be black or the black characters like impoverished or like a little bit lesser than the white characters and that's like yeah. like you were just or, saying it's like or suburban or suburban that's just like how it's been and like i know like hey arnold and like other shows broke that mold where we don't have like the black character either being the token like Gerald wasn't a token character at least in my mind he was just yeah. as important as arnold he was a best friend but not just the best yes. friend because he's a black character yeah i just I, I don't know and it's just thinking like more and more and we'll get back on track but more and more just thinking like that black characters are used to tell specific stories a lot of the time and that's either yeah. stories of racial injustice or stories of poverty and that's not the only stories that black characters have to offer yeah sorry yeah Hundred percent. I uh, yeah. all right. Sorry, sorry, back on track. I just the thought back that's been track. going on. But yeah, uh, another shout out really quick to uh, the Nickelodeon show Cousin Skeeter. Uh, where have you? Did you ever watch was, this fucking this show? Was that a follow up to Doug? No, no. With Skeeter? No, actually, no. Cousin Skeeter was. It was this black family, and then their cousin. It's pretty much like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but their cousin comes to live with them. But. The twist is that the cousin is a puppet. He's his fuck this puppet. Look really quick, just type in and look out. I'll, I'll send you a picture of cousin Skeeter because it is the funniest thing that like ever existed. Okay. But that was like the black sitcom where it wasn't like, oh, these are black people under racial injustice. It was just black family being black or black characters being black. And just to touch on what I was just talking about, it like you get that, you get smart guy, sister, sister, famous Jet Jackson, all proud family, proud family, all shows with black characters where we weren't like singled into being a specific, like telling the story of racial injustice or poverty. And I, I, those were all that really stood out to me as a black kid. Um, also, I think you were trying to say that, um, reboot was your teenage years for you. But for me, that was that was when I was living in Michigan, which means that I was young. Oh, I was watching. It was like yeah, I was it watching was end of elementary, beginning of middle school. When I was going to mention when Toonami came around is when I remember it. Oh, see, because I was watching it on um, CBC. So oh, oh, that okay, Canadian yeah. Show. Then that's the disc in that, yeah. Because I remember oh, watching it yes. when they were showing it on Cartoon Network and showing it on Toonami, yeah. and that's why I wanted to get into like Toonami being like a big point of nostalgia for no, me as a kid. So let let me just give you a brief overview of Reboot. So oh Reboot <laughs> is actually hello. Give me a second. <laughs> Reboot is actually one of the, is I believe the first show to use 3D animation. 
So there you go. It was a Canadian show. It was the first show to use 3D animation. Yes, you're sending me pictures of Cousin Skeeter, and I remember this, so I think you're good. Okay, I was going to keep sending them until you commented. <laughs> no, I, I'm good. Um, but yeah. Oh my god, it was 94. Exam- I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the first it's the first show with 3D animation and a guy gets sucked into a computer and uh yeah. Wrong. You know. It's actually it's they were computer programs and then like the video games and stuff that the user was playing was the things that they had to stop because it was causing viruses and stuff. I thought the guy, the main guy, no, he was he was a computer program. His name oh. was gosh, come on, Jordan. Well, my you, brain is literally about to pop like a balloon. Anyways, anyways, so that's Bob, why I watched it Bob. quite early. Is because I was watching it on CBC, the Canadian channel uh, that I would get in Michigan, where I would also watch Red Green Show, Hey, and other things oh, I probably shouldn't have been watching. Uh, yeah, and yeah, other shows like uh, uh, Mr. Dress Up, which is the Canadian version of Mr. Rogers, and uh, Fred Penner, Fred Penner. Who everybody loves, the guy who would sing. Jordan doesn't know anything. No, I'm just he shaking my head and throwing my hands there because I have no clue what you're talking about. And sing song, yeah. So no one knows this, but I do. All right. Anyways, continuing on, let's move on to more uh, other things. See, I think that segment right there we just showed that I'm the normal one. I'm joking. Don't get mad at me. All right. All right. <laughs> let's let's move on to we got to get out of TV shows. Yeah. We're never going to I know, but I really shows. just really quickly wanted to talk about Toonami because we're both anime fans and I think yeah. Toonami at least for me Toonami was like the true beginnings of that. Uh, maybe I don't like because I, I know, know we I watched like me and my brother watched Dragon Ball Z and stuff before well, Dragon Ball before that, but like Toonami was like truly the because it's like they're cartoons but they're adult. It is just like you never saw like in Pokemon someone just get punched in the face and like blood oh, everywhere. How do we forget to talk about Pokemon? Oh god, because I mean I think Pokemon is such a normalized thing that like it is still around to a point where it's no longer god, nostalgia; it's just there. Yeah, we we both watch Pokemon. I watch the shit out of Pokemon. All oh the yeah, time. yeah, and I also watch Yu Gi Oh, which I regret because it wasn't as good. Yeah, <laughs> Yu Gi Oh. It's so weird. The ages, the ages are what get me gets me now. It's like none of it makes any sense. My blue eyes. Wait, what do you mean the eight? Hold on, what do you mean the ages? Like the guy, the villain is like a full grown adult, and Yugi is like. 13. Oh, you mean, are you talking about Kaiba or are you talking about Pegasus? Pegasus. Yeah, because Pegasus was an actual billionaire who was like, it is like late 30, or at least in my mind, because anime, they're always way younger than they actually show. Kaiba but, was also like 18. Yeah, but, but Pegasus was like, was like 30s, and it's like, ah, in order to solve my problems of being a rich millionaire <laughs> trying to conquer the world, I have to play this card game with a child. It makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> We did watch that. The only thing I will say we didn't watch was I didn't watch Digimon. And I did. I watched a lot of Digimon. I don't know what else I should say. You watched. You watched Dragon Ball Z. I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z. Did you watch Sailor Moon? I maybe like an episode here and oh, there, really? but no. I don't know because I don't. So I don't. Remember. So did you watch a lot of Toonami at all or? Or at least to be early ages of Toonami with like Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and that stuff. When what what show what 
TV channel was that on? That was Cartoon Network, so you didn't watch that until, like, high school, I'm guessing. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah. I watched more. You know what I watched more? I watched, uh... Uh... Yes, I do want to know. What is it? Uh, what's the one... What's the one at night? Cartoon Network. Adult Swim? At night. Adult Swim. I watched Adult Swim. I watched a lot of Adult Swim in high school and late middle school uh, when I moved to I mean, Ohio. But no, the first the first anime that I watched, because as I said, I didn't have cable. So the only things that I watched, I started, uh, I got from the library, I would get animes on DVD. Oh. So I watched my first ever anime, like, I think I, I this is the thing, as I think I watched an episode of Sailor Moon here or there, oh. probably at a friend's house, but the first anime I know I watched from start to finish was Fruits Baskets. That oh. was my introduction into anime, and that was in middle school, a friend introduced me, and then I, because they were still putting out episodes via Funimation, that's who it was, um, I... <laughs> I, I, I would I, I switched over to reading the manga and that's why I, I will talk about this in a second but I primarily only read manga rather than watched anime see I so my thing was Toonami really brought it in with Dragon Ball Z like Tachi Muyo um, going into like Sailor Moon and stuff I didn't really watch Sailor Moon but it was on and like eh, it's like I'll just dabble every now and then but then like that was like the start for Gundam for me which you know I'm a big, big Gundam fan yeah. and like that exploded into me collecting the toys and the models and like i don't know i mean you can't see this in the podcast but be right behind me leah can probably see there's like two gundams right behind me and that yeah. was that was like that was the anime start for me so like when toonami toonami for me like readily made anime readily available and that that was cool and so mm-hmm. that, that that was like the explosion of anime for me and gundam all that stuff wait I need to do a correction. What? I need to do a correction. I potentially watched uh, Ghibli movies before. Which one, though? Uh, I, th- I Now, this is the part where I get unclear in my memories. It was either Castle in the Sky or Princess Mononoke. It, but this was before Spirited Away came out. Oh, yeah. I know that because me and my friends were like, everybody's just getting into them now and we like them Oh, so you were a hipster. Ago. Yeah, pretty much. Gosh. Um, I watched a lot of. I had there was one Halloween when I was still living in Ann Arbor where I, uh, I dressed as uh, San. I didn't watch. I wore, I wore a sheep's grin. I didn't watch Mononoke oh, until I think eighth grade when it was on. Um, to again, Toonami because Toonami was like uh-huh. the gateway drug for anime. But I didn't also didn't watch Spirit Away until around the same time either. But um, that's when it became popular, and I and I'm pretty sure I watched it when I was in fifth or sixth grade. But I was going to say, but first, before it was popular, Miss Hipster over there, uh, uh, my sixth grade teacher had recommended um, Spirit Away to me a bunch of times because she knew I really liked anime. It's like, no, this is something you would like, and I just never got to it because that was I grew up like strong Christian household, and for some reason, Spirits and Spirited Away wasn't something that we were allowed to watch. Yeah. Weird. Huh. Weird. Christians, you know? <laughs> I know. My family was kind of the opposite, though, which gets us into books, but we're not going to talk about books yet. We got to finish with we got to finish with anime and TV first. Um, I will say that Toonami got me into, like, 
pretty much every like anime that I watched. Oh, to, well, Toonami going to Adult Swim because you mentioned that, but like Adult Swim was when anime like because it went cartoons and it's like oh my gosh, anime are like cool adult cartoons. And then it went into Adult Swim, where it's like you get more of like the scene in like the um older animes, where it's just like oh no, the, this is when anime is like real with like Full Metal See, Alchemist and Ghost in the Shell. See, that's that's funny. That it's it's interesting to me because I started watching Full Metal Alchemist when it started coming out. So I here's okay, this is this is why this is getting confusing because we're going to start throwing in manga. I so I started watching Fruits Baskets. My cat's on my table trying to touch the mic and I'm trying to prevent her. Um I will fight her. She I started watching Fruits Baskets and then was like, oh my god, it only ends like two volumes in. And so I started reading all of Fruits Baskets. And then I think I started watching Full Metal Alchemist before I started watching it on Adult Swim, I think. And then I started reading it. And then I moved to Ohio and started watching Adult Swim, which is where I watched Cowboy Bebop. Samurai Champloo. Uh, Big O, obviously, because you were totally in Big O. Big O? Yeah, what? Big O, of course. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's, um, uh, it's basically if Batman had a giant mech. Oh, I don't. I never watched mm, that. But uh, Ramoni Kenshin. Oof. I think Inuyasha and Ramoni Kenshin actually might have happened in between... Well, Ruroni Kenshin was specifically Toonami. Um, Inuyasha was specifically Adult Swim. Well, then Inuyasha was on Adult Swim. You know what? Ruroni Kenshin, I think I did watch on Toonami then. Um, And then, what else? Bleach. And then we get into Bleach. Let's sit and talk about Bleach for a second on Adult Swim. I will say, you're saying, like, some of them, like, I don't know, it's probably picked up in the mic where I just went, mm. Like, Bleats was one of the yeah. mm ones. Iduyasha, mm. Roni Kenshin, because of um what the author has decided to do with his life, was a very mm one, even though it was one of my favorite animes at the time. But, like, yeah, it's just, I guess after Tudabi is what I started to actually shape it by um, taste for anime rather than just watching everything that was on TV. But, like, Discovering that Bleach wasn't very good after the anime stopped airing on um, yeah. Toonami was like mind blowing to me. Where it's just like, oh, this this sucks. Yeah. So I, I so I I think I was trying to highlight there is that I started in shoujo. I oh. I was in shoujo first entirely, and then when I started seeing Adult Swim, that's when I started taking in also Naruto a little bit yeah. too and. Uh, One Piece. Uh, and that was, that's like the shonen. Yes, it is. Scene in shit and <sighs> Paris. But that was like me online. Those were entirely me reading online manga. But like, yeah. Oh. So like Roroni Kenshin though was great. I enjoyed that because that was a mix of in between. But it was yeah, Bleach. Bleach really cemented that shift for me because with Full Metal, I think I started watching it and then I was like, oh. I should read it too because I had already been reading Fruits That's Baskets. And so I started reading it, which is then what made me hate, hate the original Full Metal series because it lost all the comedy that kept the Full Metal manga as being solid gold. 
which is what Brotherhood well, ended up being. Not even just the comedy, but like they also changed a lot of characters to be a lot um, darker, I guess, where it's not like even just comedy, but it's they just lo- lost all their character rather than be being like, yeah. uh, like there were multiple scenes in the original where Ed's like, if I have to kill someone, I will. And it's like, that was not his character at all. It's, and I know, like, I was there. I know what happened because I was watching this with a fine tooth comb when it came out was that the manga was still being published. They caught up with the manga and decided to make it all up and not consult the artist because the artist didn't want to tell them. Yeah. And then they're now lived on as two separate entities as they should. I still will say the first full metal series, um, it did a lot of good in my life. And I will say like, Yeah. yeah, it doesn't hold a candle to brotherhood but it's still there as being a really good memory for me as someone who went into anime like like talk about nostalgia like the one that i will remember always as being such a light in my life it will be full metal alchemist see and that's funny for you it's like it's the series but for me it's the it's that switch over to the manga like for me they they don't come as separate issues and that's the same thing with bleach bleach was where I learned and then made the permanent switch over to where I barely watched any anime after of, oh, the mangas are just better. They don't have filler and just stopped watching anime. As far as nostalgia, like I said, I can remember exactly when I started reading manga online, which was um, end of eighth grade, like right summer of eighth grade and beginning of freshman year of high school, where I started reading a bunch of manga online. And then, um, I, I will say, like, I didn't read Full Metal until um, freshman year of college because yeah, you, t- yeah, because you were like, no, Jordan, you will like this more. Read it, read it, read it. And it's like, fine. And then I read it in a week and, like, yeah, you were right. <laughs> yeah, because I, I usually am. But no, like, are we, should we switch to, should we switch to manga? Because I can talk about manga. Yeah. Okay, let's switch to manga. But I will say on this list that you wrote for yourself, I noticed, um, is it Chowbits, Chowbits, however you pronounce it? Chowbits. That was yeah. one because, so I, well, no, I, okay, so I, I did read, one. so I read manga online freshman year of high school, but I read like the actual physical copies starting in like fifth grade. Yeah. And so yeah. I remember because I read a lot of Viz because of Viz Media because of um, yeah. Gundam, and so they always advertise Chobits in there. So I'm like, okay, let's check. Which th- is funny because that's also the people who put out Full Metal. Wait, Full Metal's Viz? I thought Full Metal was fun. I I'm pretty sure Viz put out the copies of Full Metal. You could uh, now we need to go check this. Jordan's gonna check this for me, but I'm. <laughs> I love how you did it. Don't even give me. Like, Jordan's obviously gonna check this for me. Uh, well, because people don't know my setup, I cannot um, immediately. Yeah, check this it was. Uh, yeah, it keyboard. was originally put out by Viz Media. Exactly. See, there we go. And I then, remember and that then it switched it over to um, something else. But yeah, it's, it's Viz Media. So like Chobits was always advertised. So I went and I got one of the fi- well went to the library because you know they had manga at the it's library, a weird one. and I got the physical copy of Chobits. And oh my god, that is not anything I would have ever wanted to read. It's it's one of those ones. So like, let me talk about. We're gonna have to have a shoujo minute. Yes, here. It, I have to talk about shoujo because, um. So I was a primarily a t- partaker of shoujo. Like I started with Fruits Baskets, as many people did who were in the 90s. And I love Fruits Baskets to death. And 
now I have I haven't rewatched the new series because I have I I have a low tolerance now for angst and love triangles. Um, it, I have a low tolerance for angst, but what of my best friends is Jordan? What? Ugh, probably the cause of that low tolerance. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Did you really just say that? Oh wow! You just that was a barb. That was that was, that was anyways. That was, let's you, let's you move on because that was mean. That, that was I think you, that was the first comment that I was actually hurt by in this show. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't no, mean to hurt you you just kind of walked yeah, into I, it. Yeah, I just like fell on my own dagger. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Anyways, back to fruits baskets. Love that series. It was fantastic. It was really well done. It's like one of those very minimalist series and then i watched the like class or not watched i read the classics 91s like carcano red river mars nana chibits skip beat stuff like that like all of those were like my jam love.com like there was like all that stuff which has some really problematic views of relationships and like some of them are better than others like i i appreciate mars attempt to try and deal with her sexual abuse and like nana is interesting because it deals more with the relationships between the two women in the series chobits was just goddamn weird it was weird like shoujo just has a weird context here and it's 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 got a lot of stuff going on that i'm like going back on it, it doesn't make me happy and uh, there's a lot on, like, it doesn't depict real relationships. Like, Carcano was decent. I've reread that recently, and I'm more happy with it than other series. But, like, a lot of the other ones, the later ones I named, like Skip Beat and stuff like that, I cannot reread because they just make me angry of, like, they're not realistic. They they have weird depictions of women. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a complicated shojo has a complicated place in my life, and uh, it, the '90s was filled with. I think I think you have to like take series like Full Metal and Fruits Baskets, and take take those and like things like I think the good things about Mars and stuff like that, and you have to take them and like use them as like standards of progress yeah like they i think that i think they might have just been the more progressive ones and like there was ones that later like one that i read in university which when i was running a forum um that came out kimi kimi no Turoke, i think is that yeah, one yeah sure was no maybe oh then one. no it wasn't oh leah come on there's another series. Uh, I think it's called I'd Say I Love You. It's one of the later ones where it showed like a more realistic depiction of a relationship where it was like about the person and it, it very few hold up to that standard of them. Where it's just like it, it, it shoujo is like realizing what it is and like if you're going to take it slow, talk about consent. Don't just have the people like be non-sexual entities. And yeah. That's my shoujo minute. I'm done. <laughs> and that was a shoujo minute with uh, Leah. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I honestly, Chobits was like the one, that, the f- quickest I've ever put down a manga before. 
It's one of those weird ones. Clamp wrote some weird shit. I was just before this looking through Clamp, who are the, it's like a group of people who writes things. And they wrote some weird ass stuff. Like, people love the card captor. Or no, was that the same one? I don't know. Tassaba? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. People love that shit. And I was like, this is weirdly it's like one of those ones where the people look like little girls and you're just like it's very strange i just don't understand i think i was middle because like i said when i started picking up manga was like fifth grade or so because i started reading yeah fourth fifth grade because i started reading roni kinchin at a young age and stuff and like picking up that manga was just like what in the world did i do i unleashed some weird thing Oh no! It was even yeah, yeah. It was like it was fourth grade when I started picking up copies of manga. It's yeah, it's and that's that's part of the thing. That's why we're talking about this. Is that like we think it's a going back and thinking on that. It's like I steered myself away from series like those like card captor series because it just felt weird. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't very comfortable with me. That's why I like, I think I like series like Harkano better because the people were of similar age and it was like following them through time and this like ageless child characters that end up happening in a lot of mangas just kind of is gross to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, you so. want to talk about books. I mean, I can talk about books, but uh, like the other stuff had more of an effect or like because books i always read books i read a lot growing up but i think the stuff that stands out more in my mind is like the tv the manga the anime and stuff yeah. because that that kind of that but, shaped the nerd side of me the books shaped the other side i will say i'm not uh as big me, of a reader it's, as uh, you it's this is yeah this is why it's really important for me to talk about this because this is where i got started like because i didn't have cable and the fact that my dad was just such a heavy reader and like i was read to every single day until i basically learned how to read um i read a lot i read a lot and a lot of fantasy a lot of sci-fi i partook a lot of things that were probably not meant for my age but like I enjoyed reading and I think they were really worthwhile reading and I think it's like important to talk about and I'll leave the first one on our list to the last because I think we can both talk about that but like I read series like um one of the first ones that was like fantasy based was the Wizard of Oz which is just like a a weird series to read it's got a lot of weird shit going on it's so much fantastical stuff though it's like the thing that I remember from it it's just like the fantastical way they had of describing elements of that world that is what I remember. I barely remember the plot lines and I have a feeling if I went back and looked at the later series because for people who don't know, a lot of the later stuff deals with the princess and finding the princess and that stuff who's like the ruler of Oz who's been missing. That stuff, I have a feeling would be a bit more problematic. I just haven't been able, I just haven't been able to look back on that to be able to verify that. But I like read a lot of other series. Like I read Redwall. Yeah, I read that too. I read, I read a lot of the Redwall books, like oh. a lot of them. Redwalls were great. Yeah. yeah. Like the, Redwalls the were solid. book like, that is just Redwall, that book is so good. 
It's so good. And I think it's, I think it's one of those ones where I would have to, now saying this, I haven't read it in a long time. I'd have to go back and read it to check everything out. But I think that guy knew what he knew what was up because he was able to handle topics that wouldn't otherwise been able to be talked about because he anthropomorphized people. Like by having them be animals, it allows you to discuss things that potentially might otherwise people be like, well, you can't have talk about this with children. So I think that's a good way. And what a lot of board games have actually been doing recently is anthropomorphizing characters because it makes it much easier to talk about different subjects and different topics divorced from the historical yeah. political context that they live in in real world. We, well, we talked about that re- either on representation, yeah. how that's a good way because it's more accessible because rather than like seeing white, black or whatever you see, you get to see these animals acted out and i just redwall like I, i'm just looking up a few of them that i remember redwall um the legend of martin and uh, sorry martin the warrior those books just like they blew me away just they were so good yeah i think one of the later ones that i remember reading and i don't really remember about it was so in that series a lot of time polecats which are like skunks yeah. are bad characters <laughs> yeah. and there's one later one that's about either a weasel or a polecat who ends up becoming a seri- he- hero and that one i think i remember really deeply impacted i think me. that might be the outcasts of red bull maybe yeah i don't know i don't know but that was a really good one and yeah i think that's good i've read a lot of other series too like one that still holds a dear dear place in my heart is the blue sword by robin mckinley that one it if you get the time to read it, do it. It's just like classic 80s uh, fantasy, strong female character, just like really good story, um, a one-off novel, which is, I appreciate a lot. And the second follow-up to it, which is a prequel, technically won a Newbery or one of those awards. So yeah, I read a lot of like Aragon. Oh, I was one of those people who was waiting for the next series to come out. That was awful. Um, Were you also one of the people who was like really intensely waiting for the movie and it just got shot in the heart? No. See, no, I wasn't as bad. I We had a friend who was like that. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Um, But I do have a signed copy of the second or third one because I lived in Ann Arbor and that was the home of Borders Books. Oh, and nice. that series... I became unhappy when he said it wasn't going to be a trilogy. And that's when I said, peace out, motherfucker. I refuse to acknowledge this. Like, that's when I stopped caring because I was like, you can't finish it in three novels. At that point, I had already taken my dad's view, which is that it's harder to write an independent story, a one-off novel, than it is to write a trilogy. Because in this day and age, people can't seem to parry down their thoughts into one book. And so that's, that's my opinion. I will always stick to that, that it is, I think it is harder for an author to be able to fully realize a world and characters in one book and tell a full story. I think that, I think that takes a lot of dexterity. Um, but yeah, the blue sword, um, the dragon riders of Pern, which a lot of people are like, yeah, everybody loves dragon riders. I primarily read Dragon Song and Dragon Singers, which is the one about the small little dragons, but also, like, who doesn't love Anne McCaffrey? She does great sci-fi and fantasy stuff and dragons. Who Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Um, Sibriel. That was a weird one. 
I also read The Wheel of Time because that was my dad. He read The Wheel of Time. He was waiting for Robert Jordan to finish that since the 80s. Like, he is one of those people. And it's also why I refuse to read Game of Thrones. (laughs) Because I refuse to have an author die on me before I finish the series. And I know he's going to die. He's just (laughs) not going to finish that book, period. It's just, guys, it's it's not. I'm sorry to be a pessimist, but it's not coming out ever. Yeah. And then, what should we talk about first? The thing that impacted my life the most, or the thing that developed all of our all of our generation's lives? I mean, you can do that, but Which I wanted because I was thinking the nostalgia hit. Just thinking about a couple of books. You know, I'm gonna give some shout outs to a couple of books that I just remembered that I really that did actually end up shaping stuff for me. But um, Pendragon series where it was like a kid who travels to different worlds and like has to like you know keep Mm -hmm. the balance in each of the world or the world will fall into darkness type thing and then like you know as he goes like he starts out really strong doing a good job and then like things start happening where worlds start falling and it's like it can either be like a good thing or a bad thing is the reason that makes the world falls but you always have to keep the balance so that's good. Chronicles of Narnia was like one of the big fantasy things. Oh, yeah. And like one that both me and my mom read together and then listened to like the audio drama book on tape once together. I read that too late. I think I read it at the perfect a- age, but The Last Battle is just a really weird and trippy book to begin with. It's, it's very steeped in Christian shit. The entire thing. Well, I, See, I, I read I'm that in, in high school. Already. Well, I, I read it in high school, which is, I read yeah. it too late. I read it way oh, too late. And I, in high school, I definitely had an adult level reading. Oh, yeah, and it's definitely not I an read adult a lot level more reading, of my books. reading book. Oh, and then Inkheart's another shout out. Oh, yeah, that was that was good. And um, Thief. Is it Thief the, Lord? The thie- thief? I think it is the Thief Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hold on. The Thief Lord. Yeah, it was the Thief Lord. So, yeah, that's a fun one. But, yeah, let's finish off with two of my. Oh, God, which one should I do first? Let's uh, let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> let's talk about Harry Potter. So my dad likes to say, and this is, this is you can tell a lot about my family from this. He likes to say that J.K. Rowling got a generation to read again. Yeah, I would agree. And it's very true. She, and my mom has also had a lot of thoughts on this too, that I think part of the reason that our generation likes to become obsessed with things the way we do is because of Harry Potter. And I would I would be interested to see someone do a study on that. It just feels like we get we like we had Harry Potter for an entire generation. I went to multiple midnight openings for books to pick up books and we passed it around my family like it was crack. And it was just like those See, books nostalgia were is crack. Yeah. And yeah, but I think that and I and like who doesn't of our age group, if you don't know your Harry Potter house, are you a real person? Like did you you're, you're did gonna you upset this? somebody what is wrong with you listening to this? <laughs> I know, but I'm like I think I think most people in our age range, which we are late twenties, can name their Harry Potter house because we were at that age when it came out that we would dream about going to Hogwarts and then we had all the movies and all that to so, go through. So we wanted this to be like a loosey-goosey episode. Can I talk to you really quick about the writing in Harry Potter and something that stands out to me as something I really just didn't like? Yeah. So she sets this up. There's four houses. There's like the good hero house, Gryffindor. And then there's the evil house, Slytherin. And then there's the other two that like really don't get as much airtime as them. But there's a definite right. evil house. So when y- you you write it, 
that every character in this house is pretty much a sleazy douchebag. And then you're going to have like a house quiz where people say, oh, I wonder what my house is. Every like a lot of kids hoping that they get into Gryffindor, right? But then you end up getting sorted mm-hmm. to Slytherin. How much does that suck? Because that's pretty much a lesser, more or less way of saying you're a sleazy douchebag. And the, the the way she wrote it and the way that it like formed it, I am, if you didn't know, I am sorted into Slytherin. I am cold-blooded Slytherin person. But it's just like, yay, I'm evil because that's how you wrote it where these characters are always shown as being the bad guys. I don't think that there was ever, like, a standout good character who was a Slytherin. I think it was Slughorn. No, but but Slughorn is also kind of a sleazy douche. He picks a favorite student. He's kind of, he does what he wants. I think he's more realistic of what life is actually like, though. Anyways, but the problem is, the problem is, I think this is interesting. You brought up a point that I've noticed as I've gotten older, which is that, Growing up, everybody wanted to be Gryffindor who didn't want to be Gryffindor. And then when you took quizzes growing up, you would generally always be Gryffindor because people would be like, I want to be the best person. And now as adults, definitely probably from like age 23 up, all of my friends were, I'm a Ravenclaw at hardcore and were either Ravenclaws or Slytherins. And now most of the people I know, like you want to be a Slytherin. Slytherins are great. Slytherins are the best. You don't want to be Gryffindor because Gryffindors are rash and stubborn and just take things head on. And like there are very few Gryffindors who I actually like. I know I know maybe three Gryffindors who I actually like. And they're probably some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Like they're good human beings. But the thing is, is most of the Slytherins and Ravenclaws are better people for me because they are real they're realistic they're cynical they take things they look at things with knowledge and like how the world works and that's how i view slytherin now is like there was a transition in the fact that like slytherin yeah was bad as how she wrote it in the books but then as you got into like the Pottermore stuff and stuff you kind of realized that slytherin wasn't just like defined by ambition slytherin was the realist Slytherin was the people who were like, okay, you can all be goody, whatever. I'm going to run the kingdom. Like it's, it's the, it's the people who get the shit done. Like Ravenclaw and Slytherins together are the people who get shit done. And I, and I understand that. But like, to me, as she wrote it, as it's presented in both the books and especially in the movies, especially in the last movie where it's like, oh, all the Slytherins are evil and get locked up at the end before the last yeah. battle, which didn't happen in the book. But like. That's how she intended it to be. And so, like, being someone who didn't get sorted to the super goody two-shoe house, like, you see that, and it just, it it sucks. Like, especially, and I, like, I wonder, because I read the books later in age. I watched all the movies as a kid, like, with my mom and read the first few books, but then went to movies because I was lazy. Um, but, like, at, like, thinking of other kids, like, how do you grow up, like, seeing that you're s- sorted into the house that is considered bad, and how do you not get, like... How do you not feel bad about that? Like, because your favorite author mm. of your favorite book created a thing that basically means you're evil. I, 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 it's hard for me to like have an answer for you because the people I know who ended up in Slytherin didn't have that interpretation. Like, so well, it's because I'm better than your other friends. So, <laughs> so it's hard, and I'm, I'm pretty much always been a Ravenclaw. And the people who got shit on were the Hufflepuffs, 
which the Hufflepuffs basically were non-existent. As you learned from a very Potter yes. musical, <laughs> Hufflepuffs are good finders. Well, and that's she, all she we know. Honestly, should have just wrote two houses, but she wrote four houses that only really ever dealt with the two. Like you have Cedric Diggory being a Hufflepuff and then um, Cho Chang being Ravenclaw, but that's about all. And Luna Lovegood. Oh, Luna Lovegood is also Ravenclaw. But like that's about all you get, but you get a lot of Gryffindor versus Slytherin and not too much in between. But sorry, this is not the deep dive into Harry Potter episode because I could actually talk a long time about Harry Potter and also J.K. Rowling because she decided to not ever shut her mouth these days. <laughs> yeah, let's take let's take a pause on the Harry Potter for a second and talk about the last thing before we move on because we have to move on. Yeah, we're uh, Terry hour. Pratchett. Ooh. Terry Pratchett. Let's talk about Terry Pratchett. This is going to be like let's your shojo minute, but Terry Pratchett minute. And oh, begin. Uh, okay, so Terry Pratchett if you're an American, you don't know. If you're my friend, you know, because I have a tattoo and shit like that. Gary Pratchett had a huge impact on my life and a lot of people's lives, especially writers. A lot of writers, when he passed away, you found a lot of variety of people who were deeply impacted by him. Um, he wrote comedy, comedic fantasy, independent world novels set in the world of Discworld where everything was satirized. And it was pretty fantastic. If you've watched Good Omens, then you've experienced Terry Pratchett because no matter what they said, Neil Gaiman and Terry both admitted that Terry Pratchett wrote three-fourths of that book. It's very heavily Terry. Very yeah, 20 little seconds left. Neil Gaiman. What? I'm kidding. 20 seconds. I'm kidding. Um, um, yeah, it's a, it's a series that impacted how I thought. And it was like very much like it's real. It's real world. It's real. Um, I don't know. It's just so hard to describe because like the way he framed everything was so funny and so just made you question how people operated and how life operated and how society operated. And it's a really like it's a really good way if you want to like learn more about yourself. I picked it up at exactly the right age in high school where I was just like, oh, this is what I needed and it's just like you frame it as comedy, fantasy, and it's so funny. But at the same time, you end up learning about like economics and like how humans work and shit like that. And it's it's so good. And race and all this sort of stuff. Anyways. That was only so. a minute and a half. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm proud of you on that one. No, but I, I, I mean, because like you said at the very beginning, if you are my friend, you know, I know how much Terry Pratchett has affected your life and like how much you love his books. And like... A lot of this nostalgia stuff, like, I realize this episode is really more or less, like, what made us the type of nerds we are today. Like, yeah, I am like, you some context. I am, like, the superhero anime guy because I grew up with Toonami and Spider-Man, the animated series. I watched so much Spider-Man. But, like, like... Even if you... Even if you don't get much out of this episode, if you just, like, discover some, maybe, some things that you hadn't heard before, but, like... What it is, is it's giving you some context about, like, who we are as people and, like, what shaped us. And I think that is also important for our listeners to know who we are and what affected how we think. And, like, if you want to take away one thing, it's that I was incredibly impacted by Terry Pratchett's worldview. Like, 100%. His theory of boot economics, go look it up. It's a realistic theory of economics and makes sense. And if you want to take away one thing from me, you will know that I was an edgelord in high school. Well, freshman, sophomore year. I was very oh, edgelord. And 
that's all uh, I used to read and write and yeah. But this episode isn't just reminiscing in the past. We wanted to like take a tech second to kind of talk about the other side of it, like revisit the past, like talk about revisiting the past and like my question that I posed to the both of us, like, have you gone back to something you enjoyed and then realized that it was problem, quote unquote, problematic in some way or realized there was some issue with it? So I realized I didn't really talk about it too much, but video games are also a huge part of my life. And that will, if you understand I was an edgelord, um, you'll may or may not be able to look up why by knowing i um played a lot of kingdom hearts play dot hack gu resident evil and like the more like edgier gritty games growing up so that kind of leads into the edgeware part but like should i should i give context to what i did let me just give a brief okay. rundown of my video yeah game. sure <laughs> Yeah, I didn't talk about video games either, but that was because primarily I I played very little until a certain age. I, I had very little access to computer. I had four other siblings. I had three other siblings. What the fuck am I saying? That's what I'm saying. Um, it's like, who's this fourth one that I don't know about? No, it's there's there are four of us anyways. And so I had I played a lot of like Dr. Brain and stuff like that. And I played a Monkey Island that game i played i was, I was just about to say like, you had, don't need to give context i'm pretty sure everybody already knows that you are a mon- monkey island person i have i uh, monkey island well i played one of the monkey islands mm. growing up and then i i played a lot of brain games yes we had an atari i played atari uh big birds egg catch um and then in end of middle school i got a gamecube and played the shit out of mario kart double dash yes. and a bunch of other games that we will talk about and uh then i got a wii and played the shit out of <laughs> mario kart on that and legend of zelda and i had a game game boy I had a game boy too and i think i i played a little bit of pokemon but not much and a weird selection of other games but that's it okay. mainly nintendo Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> the Sims. The Sims. How can I forget about The Sims? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I played the shit out of The Sims. All of my friends played the shit out of The Sims. We were Sims Um, I do want to quote, all of original... my friends played the shit out of Sims, she says to her friend who never played the shit out of The Sims. I'm not talking about wow. Ohio friends. Mm. I'm talking about Ann Arbor friends. All of my real friends, unlike you that I do a podcast Anyways, with. Growing up, the people before I moved yes, to Ohio, I, I, I played The Sims with... I played the regular Sims. I played Sims 2. I played Sims 3. Oh, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Now can I get back to the question at hand? Yes. Is, have you gone back to something <laughs> you enjoyed and realized it was problematic? Yes. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> this you can tell we planned this episode. Guys. It's great. No, you can tell I planned this episode. <laughs> you know what? I'm kidding, I'm, dude. You know okay, what? Hey, hey. We're bleeding in. We're bleeding into our our yeah, our Twitch, Twitch personalities. personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hardcore. Where it's just like you finished yet? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, so, anyway, but no. Anyway. I wanted to get into like, have you gone back and enjoyed something of your past and realized like it was problematic or there were some issues with it? And I kind of wanted to first. Be- missing video games first talk about soul caliber because we talked about this a few episodes ago i think yeah. specifically on the female armor episode and that's that's what stands out to me where it's like all of these the male characters well not all of them but like you get like big burly like 
cool swords and stuff, male characters, armored, mostly clothes, except for Mitsurugi, I think, was, like, not wearing a shirt. And Volo. Uh, Volo wasn't a person. <laughs> but, then, but then you get, like, Ivy, and you get, like, oh, like you and realized it was problematic in the betrayal of its women, especially in Soul Calibur 3 with, like, Ivy, and I think her name was Tara, was the girl with the ring, and she's wearing skin-tight suit, and so you get very problematic where it's just like, look at these butt shots in games like um, Dead or Alive and Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball. What up? I have a question. Did you play, was the first time you played Soul Calibur, was that at my house? No, it was not. I played the Okay, because fr- I had Soul Calibur. I know you did, but I had friends before you. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Um, no, no, no. I actually, I, I played it at a few sleepovers beforehand, played Soul Calibur 2. And just the amount of like, with Yoshi Mitsu and Voldo, just like the inappropriate things you could do with both of those characters was just like was stunning. Yeah. Was stunning because there's one Ugh. move where Mitsurugi he sits down cross-legged, like has a spinging sword up and down where it looks like he's just jerking off. Ugh. Anyways, there's <laughs> that game is very much, and I think Gauntlet as well because that was one of the few games I had on. I had Gauntlet Dark Legacy, as it always says in that like haunting tone. Gauntlet Dark. I can't do the voice. Yeah. I can't do voices, people. Um, they all had like this booby, booby, whatever. And and I Jordan mentions the beach volleyball. I did play that. Yeah. I I played that. I played that game and was like what is this and had no context of how awful it was well i guess mentioning it like at a young age like especially means like you see this portrayal and like that is how it normally is and like it becomes um normalized for you but like growing up and looking back at the games because we've gone so far in video games where that's no longer the standard for female characters and you look back at it's like older Soul Calibur games, it's like, ooh, yikes. But it's still that factor of we grew up in a generation. Oh, God, we're going to get into this at another point real hardcore, so I'm not going to go too much into it today. We grew up in a generation where I, a lot of people I knew, this is me making a generalization, their parents didn't check any of what they were partaking oh, my parents of games. checked everything. That's why it had to be sleepovers. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. So most of the people I knew... They didn't have, like, their parents didn't know what they were playing. Yep. And I think that's the same. It's, I think it's less of an extent today because the average age of people who've gone and plays video games is much older. So parents are a little more like, yeah, hi, I'm going to play this before you before I say it's okay. But I had friends who, like, were playing GTA. Yep. At an age they shouldn't have been playing GTA. And I still have, I have a family member who has three sons. Of differing ages and the oldest who I think could be of age to play GTA 5 plays it in front of the youngest who is definitely not of age to be playing GTA 5. I I don't care what your views on parents are but you gotta admit there's some there's some weird you know that's what we grew up with as well like that's yeah I, I, I guess so so two thoughts one is like the realization like back then wasn't how it is now where it's like like you were saying the age of video games it, like the video game players gamers is a better way of saying that is much older now but 
back then the idea that a lot of people had was video games is are made for children. So yeah. if it's a if it's a Nintendo game, if it's a disc game, this is something my child should be playing. But now we realize much like now video games are made a lot of the time, especially a lot of stuff coming out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, a lot of the times made for adults because they know adults are wanting to play this. Yeah. Adults have money. Yeah, ad- ad- adults yeah, have people ad- buying yes, this. Exactly. And then like I just distinctly remember having a conversation with my friend about her kids and we we were best friends growing up. She was who I primarily played video games with because she had consoles. And she remembers what we were playing. And she's like, I need you to tell me games that would work for my kids because I know you play. And I don't play that much and I don't have time to play. So she lets them play games that she had and that she's read entire reviews of the entire games online because she knows that she played games that she shouldn't have been playing. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's really telling because she was definitely one of those things where her parents didn't give a crap what her and her her brother were partaking. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that speaks lots of volumes and that that's what she's doing now and, and limiting that. And that was like what was necessary. So anyways, we'll get into this in another episode. I have a lot of thoughts on how we take in stuff and how we learn. But yeah, well. And then the other thing I was going to say about all of this is that we have, like, a lot of the older games, there's always going to be that one, like, problematic thing in it. And, like, nowadays, like, we're getting it where it gets called out instantly and either fixed on the spot or just never happens. But I remember growing up with uh, the, it's highlighted, so you probably know what I'm going into, but Jinx from Pokemon. And, like... The original Jinx, because they did change it. They did do their like their whole idea was like it wasn't meant to be like you know problematic. But the Jinx Pokemon is this. It's shaped like a woman, but it has a solid black face with big red lips and like long blonde hair. And like it was supposed to be like a different part of Japanese culture, but that didn't translate well in America, where you have a bunch of people looking at this and it's like that is a caricature of a black character, uh-huh. and. Mm-hmm. Even more so, I remember not to like a few. It's within like the last ten years seeing like a meme of people comparing Nicki Minaj to Jinx, and it's like you people don't realize how offensive that is. And it's like, which think is at, what you let's get sorry go on. I was going to give context to the fact that I didn't even realize growing up that this was a problem. That's all I was going to say is that this wasn't something that was even on my radar when I was partaking of Pokemon. Yeah, and like. And with the comparison to Nicki Minaj, all I was going to say about that is, like, think what you will about her. She's still a human. And then, like, comparing her to something that is seen as a racist caricature, it, that's pretty messed up. And But the thing is, like like you were saying, Leah, it's like it was, it was below the radar for a lot of people. Like, I didn't even realize it was offensive until, like, high school. And, yeah. like... The, and, like... You can bring up other characters like Jar Jar Binks in that case, which... Or all of the characters in Star Wars Episode One are in some way a racist caricature, I will say. Not just Jar Jar. That's funny, because I was at that age when Star Wars Episode One came out that I was like, I can kind of... Like, I was uncomfortable with the characters, but probably not in the sense that I should have been uncomfortable with them. Like, it wasn't for the reason that... I was probably I was more annoyed with Jar Jar as a character because he was annoying 
rather than like the fact that he is a racist stereotype and which is frustrating it's just i mean all of the writing in that star wars movie is is just real bad for some of the stereotypes because you get like we talked about this i think on like the first or second episode where it's like you get wado you get like the consulate you get the just so much stuff where it's just and you don't realize this until you look back and there's just like yeah oh you guys i think it's what you've pointed out to me off the episode multiple times which is that i think particularly when looking back at anime and manga there are some series that we go back and we're like wow this is really bad but it's changed but there are other ones that it's like why haven't we done more to stop this why haven't like why didn't we go back on these things and like said more to call out things on that why is it still being perpetuated i don't know it it really bothers I me. I mean, and it then happens with like certain movies and certain directors because I remember like the racial stereotypes in like the Transformers movies, and then like you straight up have racist um, cars in in Transformers. But like like it's still these things happen, and like you look back and it's just like yeah, it's gotten better. But you look back and it's like yeesh. and it's like oh, it's where we came from. A lot of the times in the I think when I look back on American culture, it's like oh we've we've made progress like that sometimes is nice to see that we've made progress but then when it's like me introducing full metal to someone else and then being like i have some issues with this i i'm like but you don't like i i had an experience where i was like oh i was like but you don't understand and it's because in the context full metal was progressive full metal was very different than anything that came before it but looking at full metal compared to what's coming out now there actually hasn't been that much progress and that's frustrating to see yeah and again it's i think with that it's like author to author because we do have a lot of these people who made like you know limiting problematic stuff in the first place and they're still making new stuff and it's just like why are you still able to carry on (laughs) i i I think it's the it's the trend of like particularly with this the japanese versus american context of like the u.s has done a okay job of calling out people not saying that we don't also do things but i think a lot of times we've made more progress in the initial jump of calling out people and maybe doing some change on that front versus in japan where that doesn't happen as frequently so there are still people doing progressive stuff that's always what we'll say there are people making progress there is progress being made but i think overall the trend is much slower in asia than it is here i mean and it and we could do more to put pressure on them. I think it's also with the not calling out on a lot of the tropes that exist. Because we talked about this in the last few episodes where it's like, we have these tropes. They're like really bad, but yet we still have them in every anime or manga. Yeah. But, right, and I'm going to get one last thing and then you can do your stuff. But um, the last one that I talked about, example of something that I realized was problematic before we can get into the other stuff, was just like, well, uh, two things, kind of like the ramp- rampant tokenism in a lot of TV shows back in the day. We were like, you'll see like the white 
the white cast and then like the one or two black characters and like that's your black best friend and i mean you get that in like shows like power rangers you get that a lot in like the family sitcoms but i guess the other side of it too was the sitcoms they existed as one or another it's like you never have like a a sitcom with a mixed cast you always either would have here's a black family or here's white people you never had a mixture of the other ones so like you would have like the cosby show or like parenthood or married with children and then you would have your home improvements your full house and stuff like that and at least to my knowledge there wasn't really an intermixing of it do you remember when people freaked out a couple of years ago because cheerios had a biracial set of parents no i don't remember that yeah there was a huge people were losing their minds because it was a i believe a black father and a white mother (gasps) like how that and that was not that was really recent i'm I'm, i want to say like definitely after 2015 that that happened so it's like people I I, I remember I just thought of something I remember something I don't remember what show it is and I apologize that I will not be able to pull the exact show but I remember there was the token black character in this sitcom and then that character left and they just replaced him with another token black guy where it's just like oh so you just need to have a token black and I I know that's probably happened more than once but I just I forget what show that was when that happened I was like oh it's like we're just easy to replace you just find another black guy yeah but so those are mine then we'll get into like how yeah, we'll get into other stuff. But do you have any others that you, like, looked back and was like, ooh, that's a little problematic? Well, we've covered a lot of the topics. I, I don't know why my brain's not thinking of more because there is definitely some. I ha- I did talk about a couple of them in the previous section that I'm like, oh, my God, why did I read this? There's a, there's a lot like that. There's a lot of, like, very pernicious, I think is the right word for it, in shoujo like i i think that's the transition that i've made is that realizing that in my ranga reading so in the manga i used to read i used to read almost exclusively shoujo and now i i i next to never read shoujo ever because i just find that a lot of the women i have huge issue with these like women who have no personality and they can't make decisions and they just get like tossed around by guys and oh this is a big one the just rampant amount of like sexual assault in shoujo that happens where it's just like she'll get pushed around and shit like that and and then he won't actually do it he won't actually do it but he's like look it could have happened that's disgusting it's just it's frustrating and yeah there's a lot of i think i think that's probably the best one is because like looking at how my tastes have changed and it like shows why the shift into like i've shifted into other genres in manga and stuff like that and that's why i've like shifted away from shoujo i don't read a lot of it anymore it's because i have real issues with how they portray women there are very few and far between that actually show women as being like real humans with personalities and stuff like that um i can't really like it's hard for me to pin i'm sorry it's hard for me to pin down more that i significantly have like noticed recently going back on that i'm like wow (laughs) why did i like this other than like 
bad, other than like our cases that we had recently, really bad animes. Uh, and that was quality wise, not content wise. Uh, um, really quick, one that I completely forgot. Well, not one, but an idea that I completely forgot to bring up, but was like the pretty much every 90s um, rom com or like even like kids' yeah. like movie where it was like, the nice guy always wins over the like doing these specific things is how you win the girl and it's like ah girls only like the jocks but unless you are super nice and do things for her then she'll instantly fall in love with you 99 percent of the time yeah we could have an oh we are going to have an entire episode on that. <laughs> uh because i already like I think that's another transition that is like, I like rom-coms and I still enjoy watching them, but I also know that they're entirely fake and not good. I mean, at I all. do feel like looking back on it, that a lot of these like rom-coms, especially like, you know, kids shows and stuff where it was like, oh yeah, she falls in love with the jock, the dick guy. But as long as I'm super nice and always by her side, I'll win her over. Like, it helped perpetuate that like nice guy stereotype of the <laughs> nice guy. Um, oh, if you just you know wear a fedora and save my lady and are super chivalrous, I'm I know I'm just saying a bunch of shit, but like if you do specific things, then you will always win a girl. And then if she doesn't, then there's something. If she doesn't fall in love with you. There's something wrong with them. And I know that like the '90s movies and even video games help perpetuate that. Oh my god, I just thought yes. of something. And it's not one that's bad, but it goes towards that where I'm like, where I would like to rewatch it, but from my memory of it, Kim Possible. Oh, yeah. Ron. Yeah. So Ron, but she dates other people in that show. And Ron isn't infatuated with her the entire series. Ron isn't in love with her the entire series. They're just best friends for like... A huge portion of that series, they're just best friends and they're not in love. Like, at all. There's none of this, like, I'm pining after her shit. Like, ever. Ever. Like, I watched the t- that series to death. It was one of my favorite series in, like, the end of middle school, high school. Like, I loved that series. It was so good because she was the, she was that, like, it, there, there's a trend that in the 90s there was a lot of strong female characters and then in the 2000s there was they started cutting down on the amount of female-led dramas and Kim Possible was one of the few that still maintained and that was a really good depiction of like she wanted to get with Josh I don't I remember I only remember Rod and like her best friend Bonnie or not Yeah, Bonnie. I think it was Josh Monique was the friend who he wanted she he wanted to get like he was a jock or something like that the entire series and then at one point she did and then he was a dick and then they broke up or something like that and like as well she was still popular like she was still a really good cheerleader like there was a lot about Kim Possible that I love but I think that I appreciate was the fact that Ron was just her best friend and then at the end like at one point they were like hey maybe we like each other Maybe we could be in a relationship. I, 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 I have to go back and watch it, but I remember it feeling like not entirely unnatural, but at the same time, like, oh, it can happen that maybe someone you've known for a really long time, you transition into liking yeah. them. Like, I thought that was really realistic. But 
Yeah, and I know, I know. and they didn't see. I like that because they didn't portray it as well. If you just keep pestering her and hang around long enough, then she'll eventually mm-hmm. fall in love with you, which a lot of these other things did. Like Ross from Friends, if you keep bothering her, <laughs> then oh eventually gosh, you'll get the girl in the end if you just hang around enough. And and oh. Ross did the thing where he would get mad at her for dating other guys because she was his, and like that type of thing perpetuated that's, that that's nice prim- guy stuff. That is entirely an example which will come up in the nice guy episode of one that you just given it to me. That is my prime example of ones that I've gone back. I love Friends. I know you did. I have rewatched <laughs> in university. I watched all ten seasons. God, numerous times. I loved that one. Season three was my favorite. There was like I could name the episodes I loved. The one with where they had the game for the apartments was my favorite. Like there was so much about that series I loved. And then and then I got tired of it and I stopped for a while. And then it went on Netflix and everybody was like, Oh my god, friends again. And then I started I was like, Oh, I should try and rewatch it. And then I realized how everyone on that show is Yeah, awful. they all suck. There's so much there's so much about that show that's wrong and just like They are ugh, all terrible people. Oh like and everybody also Ross is a horrible human being, and he treats Rachel like a pile of fucking garbage. Well, he treats Rachel but as I'm if also, he owns her. Yeah, and that's an issue. But I also, as an academic, hate, hate <laughs> the issue that they did, which is that they, because this was a thing that actually I didn't realize until I got older. So as someone who read a lot, if you're not from the U.S., you might not realize this is a thing. I got bullied for reading. In class, yep. my dad had to pay $75 to the Westerville Library because someone stole a book from me because I was reading. Yeah. So this is a real thing that I got bullied for being smart well, yeah. and for reading. That's a real thing that happens in the U.S. Actually, it's very harsh common. flashback. I think I stopped reading for a time because I got bullied for it. <laughs> Yeah, I stopped reading in class because of that. Because someone stole a bug that... multiple times from me mm. and would just like, yeah. So, yeah, that's a real thing that happens in the U.S. It's not fake. Because I know there are people also, in Canada $75 who would be like, what for a the book? fuck? Are you kidding me? Yeah, library copies of books I just, cost like, more Who, who do they think they are? I know. And, yeah, I'm glad my dad did that for me. But, anyways, that's a thing that happened. Why was I saying this? Oh, because... Because the thing is, in Friends, they perpetuate that stereotypes, even in the first episode, where Ross tries to talk about what he likes to do, which is paleontology, and they all, every single time he tries to bring up anything intellectual whatsoever, they go yawn and throw him out the window. Not. Anytime he tries to bring up anything, which is like, I think sitcoms did that all the goddamn time. Until, like, Big Bang Theory, pretty much. Even though there's so many issues yeah, with Big Bang Theory. There's Ugh, there's so much. But, like, America tries to do this. It's a way of devaluing knowledge. And, oh, yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I've gone off the rails again. This entire episode Plus, is off the rails. This is you being off the rails. <laughs> Hey. Um, well, we're we're almost hey. done. So I just kind of wanted. I mean, we kind of covered the other two questions here, yeah, but the last, the last one of 
So are you still able to enjoy something that you grew up with that has not aged well? Okay, I I would say yes, because I still enjoy uh, rom-coms. I still enjoy rom-coms, but I also acknowledge the fact that they aren't real and that they are fake. And, you know, it's the same thing that we talked about on the Romance and Consent episode. You can still enjoy something and as long as you acknowledge the problems with it and don't let it, like this isn't something that should be my life. Like, this isn't something, like, I know people who have friends who have said, like, they want to have a meet cute and, like, be married by 25. Like, that's something that people do take into their lives. But I also acknowledge that, like, rom-coms are fake. (laughs) So, yeah, I still enjoy them. But they're also, like, very fake. But children don't know this. Young people don't know this. So I think that's important to recognize. I mean, to me, I guess it's, it is a little bit harder to go back to things that haven't aged well. And I'm not just talking like graphically or whatever, like just content wise haven't aged well. It's, it's a little bit harder, but I've still been able to do it. But I think more or less recently, I've been trying to just move forward with new stuff that is good or it has like some you know, better value than, like, some of the old stuff. Like, because like, in a lot of the animes that I read, there there are tons of issues. But, like, I've been holding those still close to my heart, like, saying, yeah, I love this thing, but also still pushing forward with the other stuff. Like, I am constantly reading new manga, and I just started watching a new anime. Yeah. So, so it's, it's that kind of thing. Anyways. Hmm? I, I think as well, there's a difference in where our potentially like for me it's it's easier for me like because i've noticed difference in like some of the things that you've been discovering recently by going back to things versus where i sit when going back to things and i think that primarily comes from like where our educational paths diverged so because i ended up going into anthropology and looking at like human nature and stuff like that and staying in academia my my friend circle and my knowledge scape, maybe that's the wrong term, my knowledge like ended up lying in how humans interact with people and like how we interact and how how stuff like that happens and like a lot of my friends are in social justice and shit like that. So it ended up being like these were things I ended up learning on my journey to becoming who I am today. Whereas potentially this is me just like throwing shit out there i'm not trying to say this is an actual thing um potentially because you were in engineering and went on a different path and the u.s being what it is that could have that's why it's happening at different rates and times to me personally i think i i would agree to a point i guess you're saying you were more in the thick of it earlier right is what you're kind of saying yeah and that i i really do think that studying anthropology kind of helped helped in that matter of seeing the 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 problem seeing <laughs> i the don't problems. know stu- yeah this yes yeah, learning how to identify these problems early and seeing that oh that western society is founded on this pile of shit mm, and okay i I would i would agree with that to a point because a lot of the experience of knowing why these things 
are bad now is through experiencing them and well experiencing them and then like coming to the realization that i don't have to be okay with it whereas like 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 growing up and like even going to college where i just had to accept these horrible things for as they are and i have to be okay with it and then it got normalized but then like taking the time to like really look back at these things and like seeing the problems and then no longer like just sitting down and taking it. Yeah. I think as well, thinking on the fact that in my university career, I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff and I've, I'm fully aware of how shitty the U S education system is. And we had a decent education. That's saying something is that I realized that even knowing we had a, decent version of an education but there's a lot about like how we learn about society and stuff like that that is really fucked up so and i had to relearn that early and that's only because i took classes that had forced me to relearn that right so i don't know i think that's an important thing to think about is like looking back on these things it is okay to do these progresses at any time in your life and but some people might have not realized as quickly as, I, I think as well, like, I'm just, sorry, I'm just, like, spitballing now that, like, I think as well, some of the people might listening to this might have more of this knowledge than other people because they have gone through these things at different rates and to not, and to remember when you're trying to teach other people that it may be because they didn't have that experience of having to relearn everything about that they've been taught about as children. But we wanted to kind of take a second to highlight, I guess, two things now that really knocked it out of the park for us is just really yeah. d- just just kind of were com- can completely stand apart for some other things. I will start with mm-hmm. it like superheroes up top. I forgot to mention one, but um, well, two technically because this is in it. But Meteor Man was like he was a smaller, low budget movie, but it was a black superhero movie. But among that same idea, one that truly made out of the park where we got our Spider-Mans, you know, 90% white. There was like like one black main character in Spider-Man. You got Batman, again, mostly white. You get all this stuff, mostly white, mostly white. But then we started with Static Shock. Oh, where yeah. Static Shock was a, um you know, black kid from, I forget what city he's from, Loops. But, you know, black kid from a little inner city black kid. And he... Not only is he, like, the black main character, but a lot of, like, the villains, a lot of the other characters that they run into are black. And, like, it does deal with, like... Even his, like, origin story is, like, super awesome. Like, it's so unique. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the first episode where it's, like, oh, well, he's going to sneak out because he wants to, like, be a part of, like the in crowd which happens to be this freaking gang and the gang ends up mixing with this chemical and that's how everybody gets their powers yeah there's a there's a, a fight that breaks out and then they end up spilling yeah and the gas ends up everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody and he gets power. electric powers there's another guy who gets fire powers then there's like the main gangster bad guy ebon who gets the powers of shadows isn't there one that's like his friend gets yeah, his, so so I think the sec, a couple seasons in, his friend, because of all the interactions with him, gets like residual powers off that. So his friend becomes super smart. 
That's his yeah, powers being smart. Because like, of like his radiation. Yeah, so he or makes something. a bunch of robots and stuff. Also, it's a fictional city. Okay, thank God. Up. Okay. Dakota City. Yeah, whatever that is. But yeah, no, it and it was it did kind of the thing that um I hold on. You my memory's a little bit old, but it did the same thing that Into the Spider-Verse did where his dad was a cop, if I remember correctly. Yes. I'm I I'm pretty sure okay. that's correct. Okay, I, <laughs> like, if I remember correctly, his up. dad was a cop, and you get that like interesting not only on top of the level of, oh, I can't tell my parents that I'm a superhero, but you do get that's like, well, my dad's a cop. And so, like, the intermixing of cop life and, oh, your son's a superhero life. He also didn't have a mom. Didn't have a mom. But there was a time travel episode yeah. where he tried to bring back his mom, but it's like, you know, you can't fix the past because other things will get messed up if you do. A butterfly flaps its wings. I remember every episode of the show. <laughs> this is, I'm rereading this, and now I'm like, oh, my God, I want to rewatch this. I, I haven't gone back to it, but I'm pretty sure it still holds up. But it was it was unique because it to me it was the most standout black TV show. It's like like it was the one that told me black kids can be superheroes too. Okay, and let's so he was the father was a social worker social at a community worker. center. Okay, head counselor, head counselor, pretty awesome. Anyways, um. I'm just like, I think it's interesting. This show, I love this show because of the fact that it, it brought us together in not as like an initial friendship, but like we've discovered this later that we both watched this show and thought it was a really fucking good superhero show. And I didn't watch a lot of superhero shows and I really like this show. I think I remember really liking the partner, the white guy who is his friend. It was yes, white guy, Reggie. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Reggie. Thank you, Reggie. Reggie. Richie. Richie? Re- hold on, Richie. See, the problem with Richie. doing these shows is that we don't remember. No one needs to know this. Don't remember a word. Yeah, well, it's nostalgia, so people will have to give us leeway. Anyways, so I remember really identifying Richie. with the side <laughs> character who was just generally kind of like a Ron stoppable character. Like he was smart, but he like didn't have superpowers and just wanted to help his friend. Common character then, not so, sorry, (laughs) words, not common character now, wasn't so common then. Wasn't as common a character then as a trope. And I I don't know, I just really liked the show. It was really good. It was just super interesting and dealt with a lot of cooler stuff. And the villains weren't so villainous. I think that's what got me is that like a lot of the times the villains were also like real people in the same way that we also like really liked Luke Cage in that yeah. same way. And I mean, one of the villains, um, the rubber band man, like he comes back around oh, to yeah. being like a good guy because you realize that he just got into a bad rut where like, oh, he was doing these crimes because he needed the money and like. And, you know, he became part of this gang and, like, he becomes a good guy and, like, I think ends up dating Virgil's sister or something like that. But, like, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Because he was a human. He wasn't this irredeemable bad guy that you get, like, in a lot of the other superheroes. He was just a human who just got into a bad rut. And when given the chance to be a good guy, he became a good guy. It's like Static Shock is, like, was the combo of, like, The Wire and... <laughs> Anyways, let's continue. The last on. thing we we're gonna finish oh up Lord. with 
So I want to answer I know this you one. do. Just do you it. Know. Yeah. So I recently saw on Instagram a post of uh, Cole, Cole Sprouse, another nostalgic, because he didn't watch The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Um, I watched his... I, I saw a post where he was as at Halloween was dressed as Milo from uh, Atlantis. And I was like, oh, my God, Atlantis, that had a huge impact on me, the archaeologist said. And I rewatched it. And I was like, my God, Atlantis holds the fuck up. Holds up so well. What should I start with talking about, Jordan? What should I? What should I? You said you first? wanted to intro this. You you have to do. I'm it. Just, do it. About, Just do it. I'm going to talk about first the fact the cast characters for Disney. I love that they're like this movie flopped. This cast was like fantastic. I don't know about the voice actors on this. I can't tell you, but rewatching it, the cast of characters was super unique. You got Sweets, who was the doctor, who was part Native American, and black. And was just, like, a really fantastic character, really redeemable character. He was just, like, super interesting, super cool. And then, so you had a black, you had, like, just a wide range of cast of people. Just, like, well, really here, interesting Let me characters. do the rundown of cast of characters. Just, well, yeah. well, sorry, the races. We got, um, you know, Milo. He's a white guy. Fine. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We have the Kida, right? Is how you pronounce that? And yeah. she is Atlantean, but she's dark-skinned. Okay, mm-hmm. you got Vinny, the demolitions expert. He is Italian, the yeah. um, African American um, doctor. You have Native American. Native American. He's what his his mom okay. is Native yeah, American. Mixed African and Native um, doctor. Yeah. Um, Hel- uh, Hilda, whatever Helga. Sorry, the German. Helga. You got Audrey, yeah. who's Puerto Rican, and then you got mm-hmm. Mole, who no one knows what the hell is going on with him. He's French. <laughs> I, I I was making a joke, but anyways. Yeah, wait, there's somebody else too. Who are we forgetting? Um, Cookie. Oh yeah. Cookie and uh, the woman on the phone. The, all yeah, the, time. the old lady. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, these cast characters are super unique, super interesting. Audrey's like a genius. She's only 18 and she runs her dad's like she took over for her father as the mechanic. She's like 18 and that's it. And she ends up like one, you get these characters who are like supposed to be in it for the money. And then she ends up like he convinces her to like do it for the good cause. And they're just all of these people are fantastic, fully realized characters. Having rewatched this, I'm like, oh my god, they're so, they're so good as characters. This is, it's just incredibly, oh, just makes me happy. As well, like, considering Milo is a decently accurate version of, like, a linguist slash archaeologist, considering the fact that at the beginning he's making no money working on a boiler and is trying to get funding and people are laughing at him. I'm like, that's... (laughs) <laughs> as close as you get to real academia as as ever but like oh yeah anything else you have to say about the characters before i move into the part that i other part i like no this is all you okay well oh the other thing i liked so the villain the villain um the guy whose name i can't remember who was the head of the expedition who's an asshole american there was also is it helga yes. is helga the yes. woman the like femme fatale okay so she has the femme fatale you would think so basically they end up having a fight over the money and then she 
kicks the fucking bad guy's ass, even though she's still, like, not a good guy. And, like, you would think at this point Disney would make it as typical Disney because she's a femme fatale character. would be like, oh, she's dead. Um, no. She ends up kicking the guy's, comes back, kicks the guy's ass, and then shoots down the thing from thing. And it's just, like, she's an actual female villain who isn't one-dimensional. Like, fantastic. Kicks ass. Ugh. But doesn't she still die? She still dies, <laughs> but the fact is is that in reality, most most typical because she's a femme fatale, she wouldn't have kicked his fucking ass, like she kicks his ass multiple times, throw lands several kicks to the face on this guy before being tossed out of an air balloon and then from the ground as she dying is like, fuck you, shoots up and 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 destroys the air, hot air balloon. Like it's a fully realized villain. 100% love that. Yeah. She's not just the femme fatale. She's not just a stereotype. She's fully realized as a villain, which we have to appreciate. The last thing I was going to say was Milo and Lakita. Lakita, she, they don't, they just hold hands. They don't actually kiss. There's no, like, like it's kind of implied that they're going to get in a relationship, but they just hold hands. I think they hug. It's probably the most realistic, like, bonding after an emotional experience kind of romance type thing, but it's only very vaguely implied, which I really appreciate, Disney. I'm like, oh my god, a realistic assumption of what people would do, like, after a thing. Like, there's not actual romance. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I like the movie. I think that it's definitely, again, like we were saying, this whole section is a stand apart from the rest of the Disney stuff. I yeah. think that it just it came at a time when other movies and stuff weren't doing this, where it's like you didn't get such a diverse cast. Like how many casts of like Disney movies have like a black and a Puerto Rican character without one of them being the stereotype? Or not yeah. sorry, the token. Like there was no token character. They were all it was a strong put together cast of characters where it wasn't all white faces or it wasn't all black faces. It was a good mix in Noah. Nothing else I can think of did that. And like I know it was like on purpose that they outlined their backstories, but like they all had backstories. Uniquely personal backstories. Like what other show what other TV mo- movie, whatever, did that? Like Sweets talked about his backstory. Like, uh, Vinny, you wanted to run a goddamn flower shop. It's very standout. And I think I think it is yeah. and will remain unique. Yeah. That's, what I, that's why I'm, like, so happy about what Helga was. Because she, what, she wasn't just the femme fatale villain. Which is what you see at the beginning. That she's that stereotype in a dress. Like, with a cigarette. Oh, yeah. and But, like, at the end, she ends up kicking the guy's ass and is like you promised me equal shares as I kick your ass and then fall out of the plane and then cause you to fall to your death. Like, it's it's unique. Yeah. Anyways, that's great. Okay, so we need to wrap it up. I think since we talked... (laughs) What? I'm just laughing. We are going to wrap it up. And since... We already talked so long about, like, all the stuff that, like, nostalgia that we found like good i don't think we need to end the episode with a um thing that we've been doing recently like a good thing right are you good Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. yeah i'm good with that i would just like to tell everybody to like maybe take a look at the things you were you you grew up with and take a look at them find some good stuff find some bad stuff you know yeah just 
think about it. And really, like, even if you are, like, finding, like, something, like I said, is problematic, that doesn't mean you have to cut it out of your life. You can still enjoy, yeah. like, what it did for you and whatever capacity that may have been. Mm-hmm. So that's the show for today. We definitely went way over, but I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, you got anything else you want yeah. to add? I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back, people. We're going to put out some good episodes. Thank you for sticking around. I hope you all came back to listen to us. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we shall talk to you all later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.